Hello and welcome to The Flight Stuff, an Alpha Flight podcast. We're so glad you're here with us for episode nine. My name is Liam O'Donnell. Uh, I'm one of your hosts and head editor at Cinepunks.com. My name is Adriana Gober. I'm managing editor at Cinepunks.com and another one of your hosts. And I am Doug Tilly, resident Canadian and a contributor to Cinepunks.com. Resident Canadian and the the really the ambassador of Canada to like the entire podcasting world, right? I just feel like... I like to think that I reflect all the good and bad elements of the country in which mm. I live to the rest of the world through podcasting. So I, mm. I would agree with what you just said. Yeah. You're, I, I, I've, I've been trying to decide if you're more the SCTV or kids in the hall of podcasting. I mean, I feel like I'm the best of both of those. But I mean, uh, what can I say? Uh, we, we, the people of Canada, we bring the funny. <laughs> <laughs> what I think of you, that is what I think. I bring the funny, Liam. <laughs> well, on this uh, amazing episode of The Flight Stuff, we're going to be talking about Alpha Flight issues number 20 and 21. Uh, we hope that you are feeling as excited as we are. Uh, I just want to mention to you all really quick, This, uh, I just finally saw Endgame, uh, so I feel like I'm caught up with what's going on in the Marvel world. Um, we've talked about this before with with a uh, alpha possible alpha flight movie. I think we're getting closer. I really think we're we're right on the cusp of an alpha flight movie. So uh, I I really want those of you listening to let us know who you think should be in the alpha flight movie. Um, I have some ideas. We've talked about it a couple times, but uh, I don't know. I think we're right. I think it's I think it's in the next three or four years. No, that's not true. More like thirty years. I have a pretty important question, which is. When they inevitably make the Alpha Flight movie, yeah, how important is it that the cast is Canadian? Could not be less important. There's nothing. Mm. I would say, hmm, how important is it that the cast is Canadian? As long as they can all do a manageable Canadian accent, I think I'm okay. How about, okay, take that aside for a moment. Uh How important is it that the creative force, say the either the director or writer is Canadian. If they don't find a Canadian writer or director, they at least need someone with more than a, pe- a passing knowledge of Canadian history and culture because it does play such a significant part uh, in the Alpha Flight, uh, in, in the makeup of Alpha Flight. I mean, that that's what I'm saying, right? I can be that person. The <laughs> I knew this was the angle. Right? This is why I wasn't going to play it to your little game. You know, you got Adriana to, to give it to you. Yeah, but I knew that this was where you're headed with it. All right, let's just jump in here. As long as Xavier Dolan plays Northstar, I don't care who else they get. <laughs> that was my idea, Adriana. I'm never letting go of that idea now. That now that Doug, now that you've planted the seed in my mind, I just can't stop thinking about it. Well, I fancasted the whole movie. At one point, we're going to have to all go through it, and you're going to have to come up with something, someone else, Adriana, because that one's mine. Uh, and we'll come up with our own picks. But I think it's incredibly important that at least some of the cast is Canadian. I mean, it, it's representing us. Look, Doug, none of these things matter, all right? It's, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> all right, Alpha Flight, Volume 1, uh, number 20 from March 1985. Uh, written and penciled by John Byrne, covered by John Byrne. Doug, why don't you tell us what happens in this issue? 
Well, this story, Liam, is called Gold and Love Affairs, and it begins in the Canadian Rockies. Uh, as it begins, Sasquatch, one of our favorite characters, is clearing forest so a construction company can build a sanitarium, which I hope is something that gets brought up again later. Uh, and he's actually doing it so he can see if he can trigger one of those uncontrollable rages he's been experiencing lately. Yeah, he's working with a construction company to rip down trees. Uh, then Aurora shows up with her new costume and hairstyle. Uh, she gleefully accepts some sexual harassment by the workers before delivering some of her own. Uh, Sasquatch uh, proceeds to slut-shame her, so uh, she takes off. Later, the two of them head for Tamarind Island to scope out a potential new home base for Alpha Flight, or what I should say is a home base for Alpha Flight, since they haven't really had one. And this is the form in the form of a massive house that's been passed down through Walter's family. Uh, they're surprised to find that the mansion has been tidied and fully furnished. And after Walter triggers a trapdoor, the lights go off, and Aurora finds herself strugg- struggling with her split personalities as she wanders helplessly in the dark. Eventually, she finds a passage leading past eight gold, uh, solid gold statues, but is terrified to, dis- to discover that each contain a living person, potentially the late husbands of Walter's great aunt, who previously owned the house but vanished under mysterious circumstances. Uh, she then encounters Lillian Von Loot, aka Gilded Lily, who shows her what has become of Walter. He's been encased in gold and turned into one of her living statues. Uh, while all this is going on, Heather is uh, surreptitiously staying at her parents' house while they're out of town uh, and hosting Puck, Snowbird, Shaman, and the newly coronated talisman, who is still very confused about her apparent godlike state. Uh, Shaman questions Puck about his growing feelings for Heather and encourages him to reciprocate those feelings if and when she comes to him and says, hey, I'm into you, Puck. But uh, I imagine that'll be followed up on uh, at some point as well. One would hope. <laughs> uh, thanks, Doug. Uh, let's start off with the cover here for Alpha Flight number 20. Adriana, what do you think of this cover that uh, John Byrne is, is giving us here for this issue? Um, I'm glad you, you uh, pitched it over to me first because I really love this cover. Um <laughs> First of all, it just looks cool. Like, if I were strolling through a comic book shop uh, and it caught my eye, it would stop me dead in my tracks. Like, it just demands attention. And the composition of it is very appealing. Like, it, uh, it has a lot of symmetry to it. Uh, and the and the details and the colors just pop. But also, for me at least, it brings to mind the Fritz Lang movie Metropolis. Mm. Specifically, the robot woman from that film. And... There's one particular aspect of that character that I, I think kind of ties into the character of Gilded Willie and her whole M.O., um, which we'll definitely get into soon enough. But I'm just wondering if, like, that was a deliberate parallel that Byrne wanted to draw or, like, if it's just a coincidence. But and just in general, like, the, whole, the look of the character has this very sort of, um, like, 1920s silent film era aesthetic to her that I really like. Um, and we can talk about that more later. Mm. Doug, do you concur? I would say, uh, hedging my bets, I'll say yes and no. <laughs> okay. No, Adriana is absolutely right. It is a striking cover. I actually really like the design of uh, this character. So uh, just to describe it for those who haven't seen it. Good idea. It basically <laughs> is a uh, front-facing, front like a, just a, a full image of the front of Gilded Lily's face. And uh, as Adriana alluded to, she has very much kind of a 1920s, almost like a flapper hairstyle. Yeah. Uh, and she's just staring, I would say menacingly, uh, right out of the cover. So my, I really do like the design. I even like how it kind of, uh, um, how, how like the, the kind of pink background, how it really is at odds with that foreground gold and kind of a, a black red shimmer of the hair. I really like how it looks. I like the design. 
but I I am not sold on this character necessarily. So the feelings I bring to this cover are uh, tainted somewhat by how I feel about the character. However, just separated from the story we're about to go through, I do really like the cover. Yeah, I not only do I like this cover, but apparently I like it so much that I've acquired numerous copies of this issue through to time. <laughs> uh, when I was when I was rereading it, I remember. Um, I remember that this is one of the early issues that I, I got, not the very first one. Uh, we'll cover that soon enough, but um, this is one of the early issues I acquired. And I guess at some point um, I got it again because I found multiple copies of my collection when I was looking to read this one. Uh, I also want to mention it has this um, title box on the front uh, right by mm. the bottom of her face. It says, Mysterious, Menacing, <laughs> Macabre, Gilded Lily. Try to forget her. I friggin' love it. I love it. I thought that was great. The first time I saw that, I remember thinking, like, I don't know who this is, but she must be important. Side note, she's not important. But that doesn't matter. This cover sold me on it. And uh, I really got excited about it. And um, I don't know. I got I to gotta agree with Adriana on this one. It's really striking. And, you know, it, it must have appealed to me because I, I have a few of them, actually. I think I actually have three copies of this comic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, so let's let's jump on into this uh, story here. Um, what uh, I'll go to you first, Doug. What 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 sort of stuck out to you here? Um, you you uh, what 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 do you what, what did you think about how we got going with this thing? Especially starting as we did with the whole talisman. Like you know, it it, it, it or I guess it starts with Sasquatch, but pretty soon we get into the talisman stuff. Right. What did you think of the Sasquatch? I felt like the the Sasquatch section was set up like we were not supposed to know what he was doing you know like almost like he might be freaking out he might be having a freak oh, out. oh absolutely so uh was that effective for you or what did you think of that about that as an intro well i think we all feel a little mixed about sasquatch as a character up to this point but you're absolutely right it's set up at the beginning like he's having some sort of wild rampage and then someone shouts at him what are you doing and for some reason then it just we find out that it's the workers who are like oh right you're doing that thing we asked you to do and thank you so much for doing it time to build that sanitarium i i like that they're trying to add elements to walter's character and that he wants to kind of trigger these uh, episodes that he's having. And it, I do think that that they want him to have more layers than he's had, and I appreciate that effort. But, you know, uncontrollable, violent urges, that's kind of what we're dealing with uh, with Aurora to some extent as well. One thing that's kind of touched on in this, epi- uh, this issue is that Aurora's powers have changed somewhat uh, now that she's gone through that e- yeah. experiments that uh, Walter has put her through or that she asked Walter to put her through. And I think that's really interesting that maybe, you know, her, her speed is not what it once was, that maybe some of her abilities are not what uh, they were before the experiment. And I hope that they do kind of investigate that a little bit more. Um, I I do want to talk just briefly uh, and get everyone's uh, take on when Aurora sho- shows up. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about that. <laughs> and these – it's. Yeah, these men basically, they fall all over themselves. They even mentioned that they've been up there for months and all they've had to look at is the boss's daughter. Uh, so they immediately start hitting on her and she uh, seems to really love the attention and even kisses one of the men uh, before Sasquatch uh, sort of rains on this uh, display <laughs> that's going on. I'd love to hear your take on it, uh, Adriana. Most of my thoughts are actually related to um, another aspect of that whole sequence, but um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get to what you just talked about in a second. So our introduction to the all-new, all-different Aurora <laughs> happens in typical Aurora fashion in like the most extra way possible. 
She really makes a show of it. But what I find really interesting is that right away, just from the way that Byrne portrays her body language and how uh, she poses and the way she carries herself, we, we already start to get an inkling that like something is different about her beyond the obvious physical changes right. that she has undergone and like the power upgrade that she got from Walter. There, there's something more substantial going on beneath the surface, uh, which we do sort of hear a little bit more about later on. I just think it's a great example of Byrne communicating a character's inner state through visual cues rather than exposition. Uh, because we know that's not how Aurora typically carries herself or presents herself. So right away, um, that's a cue for us to start questioning what's going on. You know, we know something's up. Yeah, no, I I really do. You know, one of the things that they bring up in this issue, Walter mentions that um, her personalities, Aurora's personalities, have different accents. Yeah. yeah. And that she's starting to slip into one. And, like, they're trying to, they're starting to blend together, and he's wondering if it's going to create a third personality. And I, I really actually like that in the way that kind of, even though I get a little iffy on how they present the kind of um, French-Canadian uh, accents <laughs> in this uh, book in general, but I, I think that's a really neat way to play with how these character th- this character is presented and these personalities. But I kind of wish that Walter didn't uh, bring attention to it. I think it would have been nicer just to have it sort of something that's under the surface. Yeah. Trusting readers to make that connection themselves and not spell it out for them. No, he's he's every every internal monologue is making sure you've caught every part of the story. <laughs> There's no subtlety going on. The, the, I will say that the personality thing, it seems like a... It seems like this new Aurora, she feels a little, like, brittle to me. Like, the older Aurora, she seemed to be always upbeat and a little bit, like, uh, adventurous. You know what I mean? Like, that that was sort of the contrast with Jean-Marie, that Jean-Marie was always afraid and everything was too much and whatever. And Aurora was sort of the opposite of that. And this new Aurora, you know, she uh, she's sort of... At first, very uh, out there with the construction workers, but then as the issue goes forward, she she doesn't seem very stoked. Now I get it, Walter sucks, so maybe she just <laughs> bummed on Walter Legowski. Um, <laughs> but I uh, but I don't know. It, it seems like that's sort of part of what's being suggested here is that there's a little bit of the I don't know if that's supposed to be the darkness of Jean Marie or, or just the fear of Jean Marie, but there's there's something more sort of negative. Whereas before she was almost overwhelmingly positive. Uh, in a lot of what she was doing. Um, side note, I want to mention, I actually think this opening sequence with Sasquatch, for me, is pretty great. I, I yeah. kind of forget that I don't like Walter, but <laughs> but the idea of a giant furry guy as part of the team, I'm totally stoked on. If, 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 uh, if there was another character who looked almost <laughs> exactly the same, but had a different core personality, I would, that would that'd be a character I liked. It's really just Walter. And that is... Uh, uh, really brought home with you know we transition there's some other stuff but we transition to them going to this uh family home uh, and okay. there's two are things you gonna, wait you're gonna bring up what he's wearing in in that bit when they're there oh i really want to talk about that too that fucking hat they look like bond villains <laughs> yes <laughs> or something out of an andy sedaris movie especially aurora okay actually i want to back up a little bit let's talk before we jump there let's talk about the part of the thing here is that we're revealing aurora's new costume right is this right. the first yeah. time we've seen it I believe so. It, yeah, it's the first time we've seen it in full, but like we got a bit of a suggestion right. of it um, a few issues back. 
what do you all think of it? I mean, this is this is kind of a big deal for this character. Does it work for you? Does it not work for you? What do you think? Let's go to Doug. I mean, I I it, I, I like the design. I mean, it, it's it. If you had told me that it was just a variation on what she was wearing before, I probably would believe you. Uh, not that it isn't uh, significantly different. I just wasn't so attached to her previous costume as it was. And it still feels like you could match it up with Northstar and it wouldn't be a big problem. I guess my only significant issue with it is that her character seems like it's so in flux at this point that it feels like they could change it back like the next issue and it wouldn't be a big deal. Uh, that said, uh, that hairstyle, I'm not feeling it. Mm, I, I don't know. I think she's kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Do you like the costume as well? I do. I guess I'm alone then and not thinking it's that great. Okay. Well, what what about it do you object to? I'm not saying I'm a- objecting. All I'm saying is that I liked the design of her matching costume with Northstar. The new one, it's fine. But Northstar's fine. gone. This is, this is Aurora, you know... Th- She's striking out on her own, and this is her attempt at self-actualization. And, you know, up until this point, her identity is pretty inextricably linked to her brothers. And this is her moment to separate herself from Northstar and to say, you know, this is who I am on my own terms. And whether or not she's successful in doing so... um, it's a little bit complicated because, you know, we know there are some identity issues uh, going on. Um, but I mean, if, if we did interpret this as being a reflection of the kind of unencumbered version. Yeah, of Aurora, that's exactly what I was trying to say. That would be great. But, uh, you know, there's there's so much still mentally troublesome uh, going on with her that it, I, I don't know if I feel confident that that is what this is or if it's just another kind of extreme uh, response to her situation, her recent changes in her life that we've seen in, in the uh, recent issues. Uh, but I don't know how long this is even going to stick. So uh, if, if this is her costume for the foreseeable future, then, hey, I'm, I'm fine with it. It looks, looks perfectly reasonable to me. I'm, uh, what it boils down to for me is this. They're three-quarter baseball T-shirt sleeves, and I don't understand that. I don't like it. And they flare out at the end. I don't like that either. <laughs> and they have matching earrings, which I just think is ridiculous. That's really what it boils down to. But that kind of spiky, there's sort of a spiky motif throughout it, right? Almost kind of a mountainous yeah. thing that's going on all throughout the costume. So I think it kind of fits with that. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I just don't, I, I don't, I don't understand the three quarter sleeves. It's just, it. I think when I'm really honest with myself, I think that's really what it boils down to. And I think the other outfit, though, again, I, you know, I get it. She's trying to look different than Northstar, but it feels more like, um, like something you would wear into action. Um, and this feels more like just like fancy and fun. Um, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I don't hate it, but I just you know I remember even when I first the first time I got this and re, you know realizing that this was like sort of the premiere of the outfit. I I I have always kind of thought like oh it's fine. It's I don't know if it's as you know this is a big deal. This is like her big new look, and I I I, I don't love it. But anyways, it certainly is better than what uh, Langowski's wearing as soon as they get onto the boat. What is up with his captain and Tennille hat? <laughs> Adriana, can you tell us about this? I mean, both of them, they look ridiculous. Can you tell us about when we see them again on the water? Well, I already said they look like Bond villains, and they do. <laughs> I can't really speak to, speak to like why Walter thought it was a good idea to dress that way. 
That's well, but uh, I don't know. I'm like I I I'm kind of vibing with it, honestly. <laughs> I mean, this is just for me a reminder of who Walter is, right? That a he has this oh, yeah. gigantic goddamn mansion that they've just never got. Like they went to it once, and his his mom had a weird feeling, so they just never went again. <laughs> they just never went. They've got this huge property, but they just nah, I'm not gonna go. Then he's like, all right, well, I'm gonna take the love of my life out to this big old house we own to see if we can, you know, base our superhero team there. I need my uh my Captain and Sunil hat, my bard, you know, uh sailor's jacket and a, a turtleneck. I need to I need the full <laughs> captain's outfit. And then, you know, he says to Aurora like it's going to be kind of cold. So she just throws, I guess that's a mohair sweater <laughs> over her string bikini. It the whole thing just looks ridiculous. It's like it looks what it really looks like is a caricature from now of the eighties. That someone now is like, how yeah. do we make fun of that? Like, make this look really corny in eighties. I don't know, Doug. Is this just a Canadian thing? Do they look like how Canadians look when they go out on the water? Oh yeah, we all dress like Captain Highliner every time we <laughs> we go out for a for a, for a, a drive around the pond. I mean, he looks idiotic, but I mean, it 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 does kind of work simply because him dressing idiotic like that kind of makes him seem like he has more personality than he's shown in other ways. Yeah. If this is just kind of his deal. He likes dressing like that. Hey, that's something. That's something we can handle. But I'm glad you brought up, Liam, the fact that they're going to a mysterious, potentially haunted mansion that has been in his family for a 100 years, but no one goes to, as if you can just forget about a massive, gigantic property that apparently everyone <laughs> around the area won't go near because they think it's haunted. And it's just like, hey, let's check it out. You know, it... it is I know that the characters in Alpha Flight, they range from relatable to not relatable, kind of from person to person. But Walter, at times, seems like he's designed to be as unrelatable as possible. Right. I, the fact that he even acknowledges, like, my dad made us come out here to check it out once because he's like, if we're paying taxes on it, we might as well see what it is. <laughs> then they didn't like it, never went back, but still kept paying the taxes is insanity to me but whatever so they they go out to check it out and uh it's a it's a big old scary house they walk in and immediately notice that it it looks like someone's been living there uh at this point uh adriana would you stick around in the house or would you have maybe been concerned about the house (laughs) yeah i uh that that would have raised a red flag for me this house was supposedly abandoned. Nobody from my family had ever gone back, and yet it was fully furnished and seemed lived in. <laughs> I would definitely be concerned. I don't know that I would go snooping around the house. I would have been shocked if a mansion was sitting empty for a hundred years and someone didn't move into it. I mean, maybe it's squatters. <laughs> maybe they just yeah, right. Squatters' rights. They've been living there for fifty years, and he just hasn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, so, is a suggestion here too? Like he said, his relative. So he's he's somehow related to Lillian von Lunt, right? Like they are. Yeah, I, that she's his great aunt. I think. I think that's the suggestion here, which they don't ever really mention it again. I don't think afterwards. Well, he, she goes to all this trouble to get all the uh, so. Were these Transylvania? I'm trying to keep up with this story here, and we don't get most of it in this, so we'll we'll come no. back to it. All I'm saying is, the next issue has to has to do a lot of work for us to know who this character is, and I'm not sure it ever bridges the question of how did she end up in this Canadian mansion in these woods. I don't know we ever got there, but we we'll get to it when we talk about the next issue. Uh, suffice mm-hmm. to say, I'm thinking when they're in this mansion, these are 
I mean, these are adventurers, right? These are superheroes. You, right. You'd think they'd have their their senses a little more attuned to say, this is an odd situation. But instead, Walter just falls through a wall and bada bing, bada boom, he's encased in gold. Okay. All right. That's a thing that happens. I mean, admittedly, he probably just thinks we have the abilities to handle any situation. And to be totally honest, he's proven right in the next issue. That's fair. That is fair, actually. I guess no matter what happens, it's just sort of a lark. Like, what could possibly be (laughs) an issue then? Um, So, you know, this is is just a setup, really, I feel like, for for the the drama of the next issue. Um, But I do want to get into our our side story here, which is, uh, in a way... It seems kind of upsetting here. You know, uh, Talisman is being told by her father and by Snowbird a little bit about herself and who she is and what that means. And, of course, she's, uh, you know, a little put off by that. Um, Adriana, what did you think of this side story? Uh, First, what it means for that family. And then um, this section with Shaman and Puck is very interesting. But let's start off with what, what did you think about this stuff with Talisman? I definitely I like I sympathize with her because she was is thrown into this very outlandish situation very quickly. She isn't really given that much in the way of like information or time to prepare. It's really like a trial by fire. And then she finds out that she has this tiara that she can't remove because it's connected to her and if she tries to remove it, she describes it as feeling like um her brain is being stabbed. And then uh, Shaman is just like, oh yeah, by the way, that's just how it's going to be now. Like you just can never remove this thing. I don't know. (laughs) In some ways it's like her agent. She was like robbed of agency. She didn't get to make any informed decisions about this life. She's now a part of it. It's a little bit upsetting. Like, they're asking a lot of her. Yeah, I mean, and it's and they're acting like it's not really a big deal, but it is. I mean, the conversation that Snowbird and Shaman have is basically Snowbird's like, "Well, you know, you are the savior of the world," and Shaman's like, "Well, you know, she grew up with the white man, so careful with the Messiah talk." But she is the chosen one. Right. It's like, okay, you know, <laughs> she's either the you know actual savior of the universe, or at least very important for the saving of the universe, and. She never gets it. She literally just, all right, I'll just reach in here and put this thing on. And all right, now I got powers. And oh, wait, this is forever? Wait, what's happening? Like, she's right. not really given any space to uh, be alive. Doug, d- do you think you would also feel a little trapped by this uh, coronet of power? Or would you just jump into the chosen one role since you already have a messianic complex? Well, uh, thank you. Uh, I I don't think anyone would like to be told that they would have to wear a certain piece of clothing every day for the rest of their life. That's right? true. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. It, it, you know, she has to wear it all the time now. Um, and I don't know if the power is necessarily worth that. I like the idea that this is sort of, in a way, like a power fantasy when you're reading it, right? This is a, a woman who discovers that she has this amazing gift. And not only does she have these amazing powers, but she's literally a god or some sort of god-like being. And, and like you uh, even mentioned, Liam, Shaman doesn't even dispute that she's a god. It's mostly the the verbiage used to describe her godhood that he's taking uh, issue with or the fact that those words might trouble his own daughter. Uh, And Adriana's absolutely right, too. The fact that she had so little say over this and was really not warned about the consequences, that's that's a, a worrisome thing. And I hope they explore it, but I have a sense that they probably won't. Um... 
<laughs> that said, I'm I'm really taking a wait and see approach with this talisman character, uh, and and I hope that that you know I I I like the idea of talisman and shaman as this kind of father daughter uh, mysterious spiritual team, uh, and I hope that they kind of with with also the kind of difficulty within their own relationship is another aspect of that. I think that's kind of fun, but uh, especially because we already have a pair in Alpha Flight who are brother and sister. <laughs> it's a little familial bond thing going on in Alpha Flight generally. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious about Talisman, but uh, I'm not sure I'm totally on board with the character yet. I uh, I know for a fact that, that this keeps going a little bit. I don't know how much because I you know I, I don't have a encyclopedic knowledge knowledge of Alpha Flight, but I do know this continues as a theme and it is one of my actually favorite themes uh going forward. So I'm looking forward to you reading it and letting me know what you think. Uh I I kind of mixed feelings here. I really feel for her and I really feel like this is a crime and it's one that she's gonna have to address because she really had no say. She was forced and never given a choice. And I think uh the idea of of a of a chosen one who has no choice is is interesting and and not one that I particularly uh, have a lot of confidence in. Um, it is hard because uh, you know if someone wants to hand me a coronet of power without me having much choice. I think I'm still in though, so it's like this weird thing <laughs> where it's like I'm like, oh man, that sucks, but also it's pretty cool though, right? Like you know, you didn't want to win the lottery, but you kind of won the lottery. No, 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 it's not. It's not like that. She should she should have some some say there. Um, <laughs> I just really want to have powers. That's all. Okay, uh, Liam, Liam, I want to talk about Heather. And yeah, Puck that's what I was going to ask you guys. relationship. Do y'all yeah. ship? Do like- you ship Heather and Puck? Are you shipping them right now? Well, I'll tell you what, Liam. You know, I, I feel sometimes I come off as too negative on the Flight Stuff podcast. Yeah, you're a crank. Because I'm skeptical is all, Liam. I'm just waiting for things to kick off. I want to see Alpha Flight, you know, working together even if they're at odds. I just want to see the team. And I feel like that is coming. But if we're not going to see the team, I do want to see sexual tension between two of the members <laughs> of the team. Like a classic X-Men scenario. And that's what we have here. And... I will say the thing I like about this is that it kind of felt like it happened naturally. Like John Byrne yeah. was pairing these characters up and sort of decided, you know, they're spending all this time together. She just lost her husband. Maybe he has feelings for her. Maybe I can play on this. And it has been built up and you could see signs of it leading to it. And I don't know how at what point John Byrne was like, these guys – this is going to be this sort of, of love story. Maybe Heather's not entirely aware of it, but Puck certainly is aware of those feelings, and maybe other characters are noticing as well. I have to say I really like it. I don't know where it's going. I worry that uh, because I'm a worrier, because I'm skeptical, that it's not going to pay off well. Uh, but I think one of the things about it is I like Heather as a character, and I really like Puck as a character. And hey, why not let those crazy kids have a relationship despite the fact that he's 20 years older than and her husband died like a week ago? All right. That's a controversial opinion. Let's see what Adriana thinks. Adriana, are you team Peather? Huck. Peather? Team Peather. No, Huck. Yeah, let's go with Huck. Are you team Huck? I am team Huck. I got to go with Doug. I, I like it too. I agree that it develops very organically. And I really love the moment between Shaman and Puck. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I love the way that Shaman just plops down on the kitchen floor so that he's eye level with Puck when he's having this heart to heart. It's like such a cute moment. Um, I love little character moments like that. Uh, but also, the advice that he gives Puck is pretty reasonable and good advice. Absolutely. He's he's not telling Puck to forget about it and to sort of like bury his feelings for Heather. He's saying she's vulnerable right now and 
to give it time and that if anything does happen, then it should be Heather who makes the first move, um, which is a pretty enlightened thing to say, I guess, for 1985. Maybe not. But uh, I just thought that was like a very wholesome moment. And you're right, like Heather and Puck are really likable characters. And I think they're two of the most down to earth and uh, competent members of the team. Uh, it just makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways for them to wind up together. I uh, I think I agree with y'all. I, I, I'm a little weirded out because I think Puck's age is mysterious um, in, in the sense that it's not clear how old he actually is. They could easily, <laughs> he's the sort of character you could pull Wolverine with in which you could just keep going back and put Puck, you yeah. know, in every war. And I'd just be like, sure, Puck's, he's, he's a turtle. I, I, I accept it. So, uh, so that part's a little weird to me. And I think that's been a theme with Byrne is like older men and, and younger women. Um, Heather certainly has shown herself to be interested in older men. Right. So, uh, you know, yeah. that, that I'm all weird. With. However, even being a little not sure how I feel about Burn and, and that sort of relationship, y'all are so correct. It's developed as much as organically as it can. <laughs> I think it's been it's yeah. been there, and they are right now two of the most endearing characters. Um, I I also like Shaman, but you know we haven't been given quite enough of Shaman really to like get more of a personality. Like we we have a feeling of who he is and what his powers are, but he hasn't had as many character moments. Um, Puck and Heather have gotten to do a lot of talking and a lot of interacting. Um, yes, some some action as well. But there's just a lot there for us to care about. And so in that sense, I, I feel it. I'm just a little like, how old is Puck? I just wish they would tell me exactly how old he is, which isn't going to happen. <laughs> so, you know, whatever. So, okay. So that covers the story. Let's talk about the art, this issue. What do you all think about uh, the art? What stuck out to you? What did you think was really great? What did you think was not really great? W- w- let's start with you, Adriana. How did you feel about the art, this issue? I think this is a really strong art issue overall. The background work is really fantastic in this issue in no small part due to the background ink assist from ink williams or uh from ink williams from keith williams and also the coloring by andy uh yankis it just really makes everything pop like there's there's a few panels here and there where he just adds some highlights for contrast like um the purple highlights on the clouds in one of the outdoor scenes it really adds an extra dimension of um not real, not realism, but like realness, if that makes sense. Like it feels very concrete and grounded in a sense of place and something more identifiable and suggestive than like the static, solid color backgrounds that Byrne often uses. And also like shout out to Rick Parker, who is the letterer on this issue. Like there's a couple of moments where the lettering really stood out to me. Like when Walter falls into the secret passage in the mansion um, and he says, oops, <laughs> Um, the text becomes very distended and, and stylized, and it's it's just an, an amusing visual that uh, really effectively communicates the shock of that moment. And uh, there's a few instances where the speech balloons become a little more jagged and, like, the edges are colored in uh, to sort of emphasize, like, he- the heightened emotional state of Aurora's situation, like, when she's kind of fumbling around in the dark and really scared. On every level, like, the, the art in this issue is fantastic. I appreciate that. I think I think you uh, bring up some really good points. I, I noticed that about the clouds too. 
Uh, and I'm glad you remembered to say it because I had totally forgotten. Uh, Doug, what do, what do you think about the art in this issue? Did it stick out to you? Did you feel good about it? Uh, I mean, it's it really kicks off with a bang with some of those uh, – the, the kind of cavalcade of destruction as, as Sasquatch uh, pulls yeah. up yeah. The, uh, the tree by its roots and smashes. And you get all that, that those great shots of the Canadian Rockies. And I imagine that he used – that John Byrne used a lot of reference in order to make this look as good as possible. And it really does pay off. It looks terrific. There's a real palpable sense of the weight of the thing that he's kind of uh, pulling out of the ground and smashing the other trees. Still weird that Sasquatch is working with loggers to basically destroy hundreds of trees in the Canadian Rockies. And that we're supposed to think that that's just okay. But it was a different time. Um, I mean, it's kind of those big moments that really stick out to me. I think Adriana made a, a lot of wonderful points about the art as a whole. I do think we at least have to mention, since we've discussed it in previous uh, episodes of the show, in the part of the... Um, story where Aurora gets lost because the dark is, sorry the lights get turned off in the mansion and she's stuck in the dark we get another almost full page of total darkness uh and I again I never want to say that John Byrne is taking shortcuts and in that particular moment it actually plays very well into this kind of uh psychological breakdown that she's experiencing at the same time but it is it, it is always interesting to yeah. see you know when when we get a, a burn drawn story where suddenly the art kind of just uh, disappears entirely for a page. That's true. That That is sort of a theme sometimes. But I think it. you're right. It is very effective. Um, I thought this was a very solid art uh, issue and that uh, it's a little bit different than some of the ones we've discussed in the past because, for me at least, there was no huge standout. Like, uh, you remember when um, we talked about when Shaman uh, was fighting the egg monster in uh, the old man in the old man's <laughs> house? You know, or even the framing of that house in one of the big shots. Like, there was some. Uh, there's been some amazing burn sort of standout pieces. This issue doesn't have any of that for me, but it's all very good throughout, which I think is. Uh, something we hadn't had in a while was a, a very consistent issue that was impressive over and over again. I will say one of the little details that it, it isn't a big deal, but I, I remember as a kid thinking it, it was um, really great and now thinking it's really weird is how uh, he wants us in every shot of Aurora to make sure that her bikini bottom does not obscure her butt. Um, there's actual, there's actual illustrated crack in every single (laughs) shot. And, you know, as a kid, I thought that was great. And now as an adult, I'm thinking, why though? I don't need it in every single, like, I don't know why this is such a artistic theme that it happens over and over again. Um, I think it's just one of the realities is that uh, Aurora is an opportunity for John Byrne to titillate, I guess, and uh, he he doesn't fail to do that even when she's wearing a sweater. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, I think you know her new haircut uh, works, and um, the way that uh, we see her interacting really works, and. I, you know, I think all of it and, and, and this issue really worked for me really well, which will be interesting when we talk about our next issue. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to mention about the art before we move on to uh, issue number 21? I'll, the only thing I'm going to mention is that I there's a lot of the art in the next issue that I like a lot more than this one, which is not to say that I didn't enjoy the art in issue 20, but there's a lot more, uh, I think, that, that stood out for me in issue 21. All right, so let's move on to Alpha Flight Volume 1, issue number 21 from April 1985, written in pencil by our man, John Byrne. Cover also by John Byrne. Doug, what happens in this particular issue titled 
Love Rot New Alchemy. So Love Rot New Alchemy, which, by the way, that title uh, comes from a poem by John Don or Donay. Lame. Which is called A Nocturnal Upon St. Lucy's Day. Uh, I'm not sure about the how it actually ties in with the plot proper, but it just continues John Byrne's uh, kind of references to poetry and uh, and kind of outsized, uh, outside literary sources. So much of this issue is devoted to the backstory of that character, Gilded Lily. Uh, she fell in love with a mysterious alchemist 100 years ago in Transylvania named Esteban Diablo, uh, also known as Diablo uh, in the Fantastic Four comics, if you're aware of that character. He was later betrayed by his servants, so she devoted the rest of her life to gaining revenge on them, as well as discovering Diablo's secret of eternal life. Uh, having discovered the key to transmutation, which turns lead to gold, she decides to seduce and entrap in gold all eight of the men who imprisoned her love. Uh, and back in present day, she intends to do the same thing to Aurora, uh, but Walter changes into his Sasquatch form because he's already been uh, encased in gold and bursts out of that gold prison. So Walter then attempts to rescue Aurora, and in the process, he reveals Lily is actually some sort of robot with like a golden mask on. He takes off the mask, which immediately makes her crumble to dust. Uh, and die following that death all the internal machinery all the things that she's built inside the house they follow suit and soon aurora and sasquatch are just sitting in a pile of powder uh and in the aftermath sasquatch silently suspects that maybe a third personality is developing in aurora the only other kind of uh outside these two characters element that goes on is this issue is that snowbird we see her briefly she falls out of the sky after being struck by uh, with pain she suspects that she's been targeted by the gods for some reason but what that reason might be We'll have to wait and see. Whew. Ex- bum, bum, bum. Exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Maybe or maybe not. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about this cover here that uh, we got on issue number 21. This time I'm going to throw to you first, Doug. What do you think about this cover? Oh, it's a great cover, Liam. It's action-packed. Uh, just to describe it uh, briefly, we see the character of Diablo. As we mentioned before, uh, this is a villain from the Fantastic Four, from early in the Fantastic Four series, I believe. I'm not too familiar with him. But we see Sasquatch and Aurora using their powers together to battle Diablo. Uh, really, you know, it really is. It has a lot of kinetic energy going on. He's, like, blasting Sasquatch with this kind of red burst of energy. It, I couldn't wait to see that moment come to life in the issue proper, Liam, but this is unfortunately one of those classic uh, bait and switch covers. Diablo Diablo does appear in this issue, right? In the flashback where we see him and uh, Gilded Lily develop their relationship, but he never battles anyone. He gets uh, trapped by his own servants uh, in the story, and uh, and he actually never encounters Sasquatch or Aurora or really anyone in present day at all. So, uh, gotta say, I was a little disappointed, even if I do like the design, and uh, particularly after the last issue's cover, which had that kind of static image, even though I really did like that design. It's nice to go back to something a little more comic booky. I agree. Adriana, did you feel lied to by this cover? <laughs> um, there was a bit of misdirection going on, um, but I don't know that I'd say I felt lied to. I, I, I wasn't really disappointed to find out that what was on the cover was, was not exactly reflected exactly. in the, the issue itself, although... It's not entirely out of left field. Like It does sort of play into... Um, the events that unfold. But what I want to say about this cover is, I don't know if either of you noticed, but John Byrne signed his name in smoke. Yep. <laughs> which 
I'm I'm a total sucker for when artists take advantage of the medium to do stuff like this. Because if you can find a way to skip the boring typical signature and can can instead integrate it into the art in some way, like why not go for it? And I think uh, he really pulls it off here. Um, so yeah, that's that's all I had to add about the cover. I think Doug pretty much touched on everything else I wanted to say. I think I'm only bummed about it as like a misdirect because <laughs> of the of the actual tagline, which is pretty fun. Bet on Diablo. He's been doing this for centuries. <laughs> only that's got nothing to do with what's happening here. He doesn't. What? What? Uh, I'm also a little confused. Is you know, I know that Aurora can make a blinding light, but it, it looks like on the cover she's about to shoot a laser, or she <laughs> has some sort of force shield. What? What? What do we think is 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 this part of her light power? I, I, what did you all think about what's going on with Aurora on this cover? Her powers are evolving and changing uh, as we've established recently, Liam. So who knows what it could be? Yeah, it could be a shield. <laughs> it could be a blast. It could just be. A way of visualizing the light coming from her hand, though if it's oh. just a bright light, I don't think it's going to be very effective against this <laughs> alchemist. That's fair, Liam. I also want to say I don't really like the font on the Alpha Flight uh, title on the uh, on the, the the page here. Okay, why is that, Doug? I don't know. There's something about the thick outline on the letters and the red color of it. I know it's it's not like it's off model or anything like that. It, it probably we've seen variations on this on many issues previous, but something about it kind of kind of plopped on top of this uh, this image uh, of of this fight going on. Something about it just doesn't sit right with me. Huh? That's interesting. I think it's fine. Sometimes it just seems like you guys want to nitpick everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think this cover is great i do think that um you know i wish there was actual diablo in this in this issue <laughs> but uh but no i i i like the image a lot i mean um, he is I'm in not... this issue kind of god i i not can't like that count, but i can't count a flashback like that come on he doesn't do nothing come on i i whatever it doesn't matter point is is that you're right i don't want to be too nitpicky it's a fun cover and i bring up the thing about aurora partly because i was asking do we think she's going to have zappy powers that would be great if she could all of a sudden she's the you know flying fast and zapping people that'd be pretty cool very technical language (laughs) i will (laughs) say i'm sorry photon blast would that be better for you I find her powers are kind of ill-defined as is, so seeing something that kind of defines what they are in their new form, that would be a good thing, I think. I mean, I I don't think they're ill-defined. She go, they both go real fast, and when they touch each other, there's a bright light. That's that's the whole thing. That's yeah, but all. By there herself, is. what can she possibly do outside of fly? She flies very fast. <laughs> I mean, it is a concern because she flies less fast now. Okay, let's get into the story here. Um, as as we sort of said here, there's a lot that happens in um, Flashback, where we get the backstory of, of Gilded Lily. Um, uh, I think I'll start with you, Adriana. What what did you make of her backstory, her connection to Esteban Diablo, um, how that sort of wrapped up? How did you feel about this uh, this story of betrayal and revenge that we get for Gilded Lily? Um, well, first of all, I kind of just saw this backstory as a as a way for Byrne to tie the Alpha Flight into the larger Marvel universe or connect them sure. to the Fantastic Four. We've already seen him do that a little bit in earlier issues, but this was like mu- much more significant. 
And then I guess as, as far as like the specifics of her backstory, it is very tragic. It, it, it has like um, the qualities of, you know, like the tragic villains of horror and fantasy stories. And um, I'm sure we're going to talk about this more, but there's like a lot of horror elements in this issue that I really enjoy. Let's just talk about that now because you've brought up before that you feel like Byrne um, should have been writing more horror comics. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a encyclopedic knowledge of his work, so maybe he did get the chance to write some specific horror stories. But um, I don't think he ever did. See, then he, I agree, he missed out. I mean, in a way, isn't this just a horror story, a horror narrative? Yeah, like totally. It, 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 you know, it functions. It's got the tragedy and the sort of weird gothic stuff it's got the danger going on i guess there's a little bit of superheroing aspects to it but if you're reading alpha flight to see like a battle of some kind that's not what this is at all um i i really it really had it really made me think about horror comics in a way uh doug what do you think does this function more as a as a horror narrative within the framework of a of a superhero um story Uh, most certainly i I, you actually kind of get the impression that you could excise that backstory and put it into a different comic. It's so far yeah. removed from the 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 plot uh, as a whole that we've been seeing, and really the tone of Alpha Flight as we generally see it. Though you know, it it does kind of that tone changes enough that it it doesn't. It's not so at odds. But it, even the look of, uh, and we'll talk about the art certainly. But even the look and the panel layout, there's something so kind of gothic and classic and right. um and i mean you really feel that he's paying tribute to a lot of various horror-based influences and certainly kind of the universal horror movies uh and and, yeah. and those kind of of i mean really the architecture on display is pretty amazing and you can tell that he's having a lot of fun dipping into this sort of uh style and also this kind of layout that we don't normally see in this comic um but it it's weird that they set up such a kind of romantic and um, sympathetic backstory. And then when we go back to present day, it doesn't really pay off that well. I mean, it, it just, ha- maybe it's just because he ran out of space and there is a sense from reading it that he's trying to set up this new character and maybe she could be something special in the future for Alpha Flight. They could have that relationship. I like what Adriana said about how it kind of ties into the larger universe because Diablo is this, is this, uh, character. And this is kind of a retcon that I think really works for his back, uh, his backstory. But, uh, the, the, just the knowledge that Gilded Lily never becomes anything of, of importance that, uh, it's kind of a bummer. You read this and you're like, look at all this potential. He obviously thought this through so well. And then it kind of, uh, and then at, even at the end, simply because it all kind of turns to dust, literally. You think, well, that's okay because we can return to this and and build on it, but they they never do. Adriana, our resident um, uh, cranky curmudgeon naysayer, Doug, doesn't appreciate this issue. Was this still a narrative for you that worked on its own, or were you also feeling like the payoff wasn't worth all the all the story that we got? I don't necessarily disagree that the the payoff was unsatisfactory it's more like i just don't care because this the aesthetics of this issue and and what was going on uh appealed to my sensibilities so much that i was really into it despite uh some of the narrative shortcomings like this just was like ripped out of like uh a b horror movie from the 70s uh and like i'm all about that so 
I really, really enjoyed this issue. Right. Um, there's a there's a thing I didn't like about this issue that's to do with art that we'll talk about when we cover the art, but um, I gotta agree with you, Adriana. I think the narrative works on its own, even if um, Golden Lily doesn't go anywhere or Gilded Lily, rather. Um, I I do have to say it's kind of ironic. Um, in a two, 2013 interview, Stan Lee actually named Diablo as one of his greatest regrets as a creator because uh, when he looked back on him later, he couldn't remember anything about the character, hmm. what his motivation was, what his backstory was. He it literally was a mystery to him. He he couldn't put his finger on if you had asked him to bring back. Diablo in a in a modern comic, he couldn't do it because he couldn't quite put his hand on what it was that made that character work for him. Um, it was just a mystery, and he he expressed real regret about that in 2013 of all times. You think by that point he had let it go, but he said it was one of his biggest regrets. I think in that sense, it's ironic that uh, he comes back in this issue to be this very moving, very sort of. Uh, be part of at least this very sort of moving connecting backstory for a character who then just goes away in a puff of smoke not just her but her entire work everything <laughs> she's about i mean i get that the dust is actually sort of an alchemistic reference you know that that alchemist gold would turn into dust and in that sense it sort of yeah. narratively works but also you know thematically it works is that we get all this drama to just sort of go away and have our main characters literally just sneeze it away like it never happened um there's something that makes it more sad i do want to say i i don't want to make it seem like i'm more negative on this issue than no you're very negative no what i want to say is is i really like this issue uh it's just that i love the backstory part so much that uh that the modern day elements feel a little at odds with it and I actually really like the modern day elements too, particularly its payoff because it is kind of Dr. Fives ish and it does have those kind of grotesque moments that kind of, they, they pay off at least visually. Uh, I just wish that, uh, that it was, if it was meant to be designed for someone else or maybe even burn himself to take that ball and run with it, I just wish that that potential had been realized. But as a self-contained story, I actually think, um, especially separate from issue 20, uh, bef- that we've already talked about, this particular issue might have been one of my favorite of the entire series so far. I'm in complete agreement with that. Yeah, I would say my, you know, one of the things that I didn't like when I was a kid is that Diablo felt like this big bad. I didn't know he was from Fantastic Mm. Four other than the note. Like, I didn't know anything about him. And so I wanted more from him. Reading it as an adult, I love that he is literally just the backdrop for and the motivating thing for her story. It's not a lot of times when you get a character like this who's connected to another big bad, they they just become a detail in the story of that larger character. You know what I mean? So there's a danger that Gilded Lily could just be another stitch in the story of why Diablo is so important, though I don't know that he was that important as a villain per se. Um, The story doesn't do that. Instead, it helps us understand her and her long struggle for revenge, peace of mind, all that stuff. Um, And I appreciated that. I appreciated that the connection made between her and this other character and thereby Alpha Flight to this other world uh, in the Fantastic Four didn't diminish her. It didn't make her less of who she was, even if uh, I agree. You know, it doesn't go anywhere. She doesn't come back. She's not a recurring villain. Um, but I also just didn't care. It's just a weird. I mean, what it did for me was actually uh, I actually thought the the last issue, issue 20, I liked the art a lot, but but I didn't 
I didn't feel a lot of momentum there, but seeing it as a whole with 21, I like the story as a whole. Um, and I like the way that it, it sort of works itself out. Um, how, how did y'all feel? As I said, I thought the ending was kind of fitting here that they they just sort of end up in a pile of dust. Did you like how this sort of wrapped up? Does this feel good to you? And uh, what do you think about Sasquatch's theory of uh, Aurora's personalities melding? I have a question for you, Liam, which is that so the internals of this house turn to dust. Does that mean you go through the front door and it's just a big hole inside? Or is it just an empty house now? So the the art suggested to me that it is literally a shell now. Right. So okay. there's a there's a there's a facade, but once you go past the facade, there's nothing there. I mean, I guess Walter's dad being upset about the property taxes, that really I guess he was right to be upset about it, all things considered. Uh the Aurora thing, I I have to see where it goes. Obviously, they're putting hints here that she has an instability and that they're, that's going to lead to something. Uh, and it's probably going to lead to something sooner rather than later. Um, and But that is an element of her character that I've always felt a little uncomfortable with anyway. I'm kind of glad that maybe it is coming to a head. Maybe we can get some real satisfaction out of, of that storyline that's kind of been there since the very beginning of the series. But I'm really going to take a wait-and-see approach. Um, I, I do... I do find the Aurora character interesting, but just like I said on the last episode, really waiting for Northstar to come back. Me too, dog. I feel you. I feel you. And he does come back, if not in the next issue. I, actually, I think it is in the next issue. It even says on the final page of this issue, guest starring Northstar, be here. <laughs> there we go. Guest starring Northstar, yeah. even though he's like a main member of the team. It shouldn't like it should be co-starring, but whatever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So we're, we're going to transition to the art, but I have a question that's related to the art that I think is also related to the narrative. Uh, I'm going to start with you on this one, Adriana. Page 21 is where we literally see Sasquatch sneeze away the remains of Gilded Lily and her entire life and work over the last hundred years. Uh, and then he's sitting in, in that uh, uh, white powder with uh, uh, Aurora in her bikini. Is this entire page a cocaine joke? Go ahead, Adriana. <laughs> I mean, it was the 80s. Like, I'm not going to say it. it's definitely not a cocaine joke. Yes, it is cocaine. I I have to admit that the possibility did not occur to me, actually, when I was reading. It even occurred to me as a teenager when I first read this. I, I know. And I'm like a David Bowie obsessive, so I should be very familiar with cocaine. <laughs> Doug, you're Canadian and thus familiar with cocaine. <laughs> Hey, when I see a stack of white powder, I don't think of Coke. Liam, I think of beautiful snow because I'm up here in Canada. But you, ha- I do have to say, now that you mention it, him like <laughs> brushing his nose while surrounded by a mountain of white powder and to the point where Aurora is, is literally covered in it. Yeah, it is his Scarface moment here. <laughs> it now seems screamingly obvious and I feel so stupid. <laughs> Art-wise here for uh, issue 21. This is another really strong art issue, and um, there are a few really great visuals in this issue. Uh, The first that comes to mind is Walter's transformation from Gold Statue into Sasquatch, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. It it really sort of illustrates the hulking size of him uh, as Sasquatch. And then you know when the when the stones on the floor rise up yes. and start attacking Sasquatch, and he's like punching through them and and trying to break through them. Uh, that that sequence is really stunning. 
It sounds like Doug has a lot of thoughts on that, too. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm thinking is that sometimes when, as we've been going through this series, and maybe it's because I have a uh, a very limited artistic skill when it comes to drawing, I sometimes I, I start to wonder what the big deal is with John Byrne and why he's such kind of a, uh, even though he's a controversial figure, people stand by him because they love his work so much that he has, you know, really dedicated fans and was considered one of the best comic book artists of his time. And, and even to this day is, is beloved by a lot of people. And sometimes I, I question, like, what's the big deal? And then I read an issue like this and I'm like, oh, that's it. He can do anything. And that's what you really get across here. I mean, he really can. He eases so well into this the gothic imagery of this flashback sequence. Uh, and then you, you go to the modern sequence and the grotesquerie, the kind of modern, almost campy grotesquerie of seeing Gilded Lily, you know, stripped bare and in her mechanical form. And then you see the destruction of that entire location. And that's all really thrilling stuff. And he really does present that destruction in so such a unique way that you can kind of feel the tactile aspects of this place kind of coming down around these characters. I mean, this is a very impressive issue. It's, it's amazing how much detail he's put into all of these different, I mean, it, it's not so many different locations necessarily, but kind of the feeling of these locations. The fact that A, the immensity of that background part, and then making what should be kind of a, a fairly static mansion type location, make it feel very alien and new once we see how Gilded Lily has kind of transformed it herself. I have to say, this might be the most impressive visually I've seen as well. So I think I can pretty safely say that this is my favorite issue of Alpha Flight so far. Yeah, and just in terms of the detail that you're describing, there are moments, um, not just in this issue specifically, but just uh, throughout the course of the series so far, where it really seems like the page is fully penciled, whereas other times it seems like it's just partially penciled and that burn is kind of like filling in the detail later. And I don't know, it, it kind of seems like when we have like a fully penciled page, it, it just makes all the difference. It's the, 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 the finer details really stick out more. Um, I don't know that, that maybe that's just me. I completely agree. And I think you're both right that the, the details really stand out here again, there's not that many places where there's something that's like a breathtaking image or an image I would want on a poster, but the details, uh, especially in the flashback section, are so good. Uh, and as you were saying before, the even the uh, just like last issue with the character work, I think even the front, the very first page where we have Aurora clasping onto the Walter statue, you know, as she's upset, that's a really striking image um, in an issue full of striking images. Mm. Uh, I I do have to be the the cranky curmudgeon about one thing, and that is that I hate the sepia. I hate it. 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 Uh, And uh, he's done flashbacks other times where it's all sort of one sort of color, uh, whatever, and I don't like it then either. But this one, it's just because there's so much flashback that it really got on my nerves. Um uh, it's a shame because all the actual pencils and art is some of the best we've seen him do. Just really impressive, really next level stuff. But after a while, the color just it gets on my nerves a little bit. Uh, and it might be that I'm reading an issue. I don't know what this looks like. It, it, I, I know you guys might be reading digital copies. So it might actually look better 
uh, on yours than it does on my physical copy. But reading a physical version, it uh, it does not enhance the pencils. It 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 is it looks uh, not great. Um, but again, I, I'm not seeing the freshest version, so maybe I'd feel differently if I was looking at a thing. I don't know. I, I'm not going to argue your point, Liam. I, I will say that I, it didn't bother me simply because I felt it kind of enhanced that feeling of it being like an old Universal monster movie. But um, yeah. it, 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 I could see how that might not be the case if I wasn't watching it. I mean, in the form that you're viewing it, perhaps it, it, it's actually closer to what it looked like when originally printed and when people were reading it. And if it's unpleasant to read, Hey, I can't, I uh, can't knock your reaction to it. Yeah. I don't want to. And again, you know, as Adrian pointed out, sometimes we're a little too hard on, on our man, John Byrne. I don't want to be, uh, un, unneedingly negative, especially when I love so much of the art here. Um, specifically one of the things that I can't even believe is when, um, Sasquatch takes off, uh, Gilded Lily's mask, her face, is just next yeah. level screwed up. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, so gnarly. Uh, it's a little weird because I think she has the same uh, earrings that Aurora has. <laughs> um, no, no, no. It's really good, and and I think that that uh, that is just one example of the sort of gnarly detail that is really great in this issue. But uh, for my for my eye. I don't love the the coloring on that. Um, I don't know if maybe it's just that particular color, and if they had done something else, I would like it more. I, all I know is that it, it kind of bummed me out a little bit. So, sorry to be negative, but it it, it is whatever. Th- that being said, I got to agree. It was a great issue. This was a really, really strong issue that I really, really loved, and, and it sounds like you guys feel the same way, so I'm glad we got to cover it. I mean, it. it's almost amazing to think that my favorite issue so far is one that, that barely featured any of the members of Alpha Flight, and focus specifically on Sasquatch, a character that I hadn't cared for at all. Well, I think it helps that the that the story, and this is part of my feeling of it being almost more of a horror story than it is a superhero story. Mm-hmm. The story is about Gilded Lily. It's her story. They just happen to be uh-huh. moving yeah. through it, you know? Uh, and, and it almost feels like he had the idea for this Gilded Lily story, and that's what mattered, and he just threw in Aurora and Sasquatch, because why not? You know, it, it could have been, that could have been Puck, and it would have been the same, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't, it wasn't about them, so, I don't know. Um, before we, uh, wrap up here, I didn't know, Doug, if you had any Canada facts you wanted to share with our listeners. Well, you know, I just wanted to mention that when uh, Sasquatch, when Walter and his lady love Aurora are heading towards their uh, secluded island, they are uh, piloting their boat on the Strait of Juan de Fuca, uh, which is uh, a, a outlet to the Pacific Ocean that's just uh, – it runs in southern – British Columbia, Canada, and actually the international boundary between Canada and the U.S. runs right down the center of the strait. Uh, the strait itself was named in 1787 by the maritime fur trader Charles William Barclay, captain of the Imperial Eagle for Juan de Fuca, the Greek navigator who sailed on a Spanish expedition in 1592 to seek the fabled Strait of Anian. So Strait of Juan de Fuca, I like... Uh, when uh, Byrne name checks actual locations, uh, even though the island that they then go to through the strait is something that doesn't actually exist outside of the Marvel Universe. And hey, I'm fine with that too. Great. Thank you for sharing that. I would have not known that at all. And, and I think it's pretty interesting. Um, also, it would have been interesting to have a location. <laughs> if that had been their base right there on the border, would have been an interesting spot to choose, I think. Um, but yeah, um, you know, that didn't quite work it out. It wasn't meant to be. 
Oh, well. I'll say as, as an East Coast Canadian, the idea of uh, putting the uh, central base for the superhero team for the entire country on the West Coast is personally abhorrent to me. I mean, look, I live on the East Coast and I find anything in New York abhorrent. So there you go. But look, as long as he doesn't put it in Alberta, I guess I'll be okay. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> All right. Uh, on our next episode, uh, we're going to be talking about issues 22, 23, and 24. And it's going to be a jam-packed, action-packed, exciting episode. We hope you'll come back here and uh, join us for that as well. We want to thank uh, you for listening. We want to thank all of our supporters on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com backslash Cinepunks with an X and check out uh, everything going on there. We also want to thank our sponsors, as usual, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Uh, if you're thinking about going ahead and bootlegging some flight stuff shirts lvac is the place to go they're they're there to print whatever you want to do that's sketchy and possibly in bad taste all right adrian if people want to find you on the uh internets where would they go uh they can find me on twitter at eadxbb how about you doug what if people are foolish enough to want to find you on the interwebs well, they can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And while they're following me, why not follow the Flight Stuff at Flight Stuff Pod? Uh, and while they're doing that, you know, they should probably give us some uh, reviews over on the old iTunes, Leo. Yeah. Uh, subscribe. Review. If you're on some other weird pod thing that I don't know what it is, review there, too. Wherever it is, find a new one. Re- review us on there. Give us them five stars. Let us know how much you love the show. Uh, also, if you're interested about Cinepunks, head over to Cinepunks.com. That's P-U-N-X. Uh, check out some of the other shows on the network. Horror Business, Black Sun Dispatches, um, uh, Wine and Cheese, some really great shows. Uh, uh, Tomb of Ideas. Uh, in fact, the latest episode of Tomb of Ideas uh, has... Oh, what's his name? I'm sorry. I just went Roy Thomas. An interview with former Marvel editor-in-chief Roy Thomas. Thank you. Thank you. And if you have any theories as to how the X-Men and Alpha Flight will eventually be integrated into the Phase 4 of the MCU, send them over to uh, flightstuffpodcast at gmail.com. If your uh, theory's really good, we'll read it. And if it's really bad, we'll read it too, but we're going to make fun of you. So that's how that works. (laughs) Anyways, uh, Flight Stuff out.